Hi everyone, it's Amanda here. I just wanted to give you a little heads up before we begin this episode that today's episode does talk about eating disorders and social media phenomena related to eating disorders. So you might want to skip this one if that is triggering for you. And if you or someone you love is dealing with an eating disorder, please visit the National Eating Disorders Association at nationaleatingdisorders.org. They provide free and low-cost support for individuals with eating disorders, and I have personally used this resource, and it was so helpful. All right, let's start the episode. Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Episode 54 at the department. This is the second part of our That Girl Trend uh, mini-sode. And if you haven't listened to the first episode on this, I highly recommend it because we kind of go back and talk about what that girl is. Um, We also do a deep dive into hashtag that girl and Instagram. And I'll never be the same. (laughs) Explore. (laughs) explore what we've seen and um you know how it basically is toxic wellness culture um that's just kind of wrapped up in a really aesthetically pleasing uh visual trend you know but it's not just a toxic wellness and diet culture there's a lot of other toxic elements about it and that's what this episode's about yay i mean not yay for toxic stuff (laughs) before we jump in i just want to remind you all to follow us on instagram where you'll find us at underscore the underscore department. We tried to make it as complicated as possible for you. And over there, you'll find all kinds of great content created and posted by Kim. You can find our full show notes. They're lengthy. There's a lot of them. Go check it out at our website, thedepartment.world. And of course, if you have any feedback, any questions, any comments, any stories you want to share, a trend you think we're missing, a special trend request, you can call our hotline or send us a voice message recorded on your phone or computer. And then you can email that to us and you can find all that contact information at our website. Once again, that's thedepartment.world. Also, before I forget, don't want to upset Kim here, don't forget to please, if you enjoy what you're hearing here, to leave a rating or review, maybe both, I don't know. I don't know what you've got going on. Hey, take the time. Do it both. Okay. Well, moving into another toxic section. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, (laughs) is quite interesting, especially for how woke Gen Z purports to be and actually is, you know? I know. Really letting me down here. Really letting me – I mean, you know, I think I I even had a statistic a little while back um, when we did Gen Z trends where something like 49% of Gen Z is the non-white ethnicity – you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's the highest a generation has been ever uh-huh. um, in America. So that's really cool. Um, but, of course, this trend um, is, you know, a very whitewashed trend. 
very <laughs> whitewashed. Of course it is. I mean, that was like before I even knew like what, you know, the bullet points of these episodes would be. That was the first thing yes. I saw. Immediately. As I was scrolling through social You're media. Like, yeah. Really? Why is this not exceptionally obvious to everyone participating? Like <laughs> Like what? Why is this not being called out more? Which it actually is. There are a lot of there's some articles that I'm going to get into. Um, and you know, every TikTok I saw and countless articles I read all made notable mention that this is a trend almost exclusively for white skinny girls. Great. You know what? I cool. didn't feel like white skinny girls had enough privilege. Right. So right. let's let's let them have their own thing. To- like a really great trend that encourages um, toxic diet culture and um, whiteness as the superior (laughs) skin color and being extremely thin as like the most (laughs) superior shape. Yeah, cool. Great. Oh, and don't forget, you also have to be rich. Oh, I mean, all that pure food, that clean food, all those moon juices. Yeah. They're expensive. (laughs) They're not just – they are – insanely expensive we'll we'll get into the classism uh-huh. in a little bit um you know unsurprisingly the wellness community and trend has been accused of whitewashing and a lack of diversity um and propelling the idea of whiteness as aspirational for years i mean um in 2019 giselle Moore. I probably butchered that. It's a beautiful <laughs> name, though. Um, interviewed a few women breaking down barriers for POC in the health and wellness space for ID magazine titled Wellness Isn't Just for White People. These pioneers are making sure of it. Um, and Giselle recounts her own experiences of being the only woman of color in, say, like a yoga class. She says this, and I quote, the lack of representation and diversity within the wellness industry is obvious. And you can be seen from magazines and brand campaigns right down to the racial ratio of many wellness classes and the practitioners leading them. It creates this assumption that to engage in health and wellness, you need to have the right image, time and money to engage in it. And considering people of color aren't equally represented in wellness, it also seems you need to have a certain ethnicity to participate too. Yeah. So the women interviewed in this article all speak to the lack of dissemination of inner of information to the people that actually need it most and the dissociation of the POC community in the wellness space that just is not made for them. I've talked about this podcast on the on this podcast before, uh, maintenance phase, mm. and they didn't. I was listening to it today. Oh, good. Okay, they. I love them. It's so good. They did an episode about wellness, sort of being the gateway to QAnon. Yes, and the whiteness is a big part of it. I mean, it's not all of it, but it's like such an interesting construct because even as vaccinations began to roll out here in the United States. I would see people, not necessarily people I know per se, but people who I followed on social media because they were really into environmentalism or, you know, health or, well, I guess wellness. And they were going really hard against the vaccine as a conspiracy theory, like, or not the vaccine as a conspiracy theory, but the vaccine as a conspiracy to, you know, 
make women sterile or destroy our health or control our minds and things like that. And so I stopped following a lot of those wellness people during that time period. But that was the first time I'd seen how wellness, which we think of as being just a bunch of white women doing yoga and drinking $12 juice, could lead to really extreme thinking. It's a good episode. It was like I'd never thought of that before. And then I was like, huh. It all adds up. Exactly. Yeah. And it is interesting that in that wellness space, there is there there has been extremism. And I, I definitely know some people who are in the wellness space and, and you know, they're anti-vaxxers, you know, in like the, the white space, there are just more extreme people opposing it. Well, I think when you have so much privilege that nothing is really ever hard, exactly. it's hard for you to take back take a step back and see how not only not being vaccinated could be bad for you, but bad for other people. Everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you sell. I mean, this is not a podcast about vaccination, but I don't know how you sell it to people who are already so opposed to it. Like we've already tried the like, it'll save your life. And we tried the, it's the best for the other people around you. And neither of those have worked. And I just don't, I don't know how else you convince anyone. Um, but I do think that, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in communities of color as well for like really very clear reasons that are rooted in, you know, systemic racism. But we talk about white people who are pretty well off financially, who have a lot of privilege, uh, who are wellness people not getting the vaccine, I often feel that it's their privilege that enables them to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a bummer. It's a <laughs> bummer. Stuff. Yeah. Deep stuff. Yeah. It's a bummer. Um, yeah, exactly. So, well, that same Refinery29 article that I uh, referenced earlier points out this interesting facet about that girl um, and although the wellness trend is historically very ex- exclusionary to people of color, um, you know, TikTok videos are user generated, suggesting that women of color don't feel sufficiently aligned to wellness or at least to that girl to join in, which isn't actually necessarily a bad thing because it is so toxic. But nonetheless, but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I think that that is not a welcoming group, um, despite the fact that it's just this like social media trend and aesthetic. It's not, it's not inclusive. It's not. And whether I'm not saying that these women who are participating in this, these white women, are like out there burning crosses on people's yards. But they definitely have a lot of implicit bias built into their brains about what is aesthetic and what is not. And it's being white and thin. Yep. That's it's like they're just it's like they're in this like feedback chamber where they're just feeding yes. one another pictures of yes. thin white women and that's like all, all they know. Yes. Yeah. It's just like goop for the second generation. Oh, it's such a bummer. Yeah. Gen Z. <sighs> I, 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 and I'm sure I'm sure there's so many millennials that are so excited about this trend. Oh, uh, it's so chuggy. This is so chuggy. Every I know, and that was what, what also surprised me too. Is like you look at a lot of these feeds, and I'm just like, isn't this all extremely chuggy? 
It seems like it to me. I mean, literally, these photos could have been taken 10 years, uh, 10 years ago. It's like – They could have. It's the same. It's the same thing. It, yeah, it definitely – it looks like um, – it looks like Pinterest ten years ago, or or what was it? Um, what was the image one? Tumblr, Tumblr, Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. It looks like t- it's all Tumblr. Oh my god, it's it really all is. Be- it's like aesthetics of Tumblr. Yeah, but not the cool ones like pastel goth. No, <laughs> no, go no. This is like the basic, ba- the basic um, goopified aesthetic and to purity. Be, and to be fair, glorification. This. This aesthetic, this group of women 10 years ago, I I didn't want to be around that. It felt very uncomfortable to me. I did not feel welcome in that. You know, I'm not tall and thin and I am not rich and I don't have the luxury of a $300 five-day juice cleanse. You know, like it just didn't – I knew I wasn't going to fit in there. You know, I don't like to wear athleisure. Um, and it didn't feel to me like it would be a really welcoming group. It felt like it would be full of mean girls. Yes. Judgmental mean girls. Yeah. 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 Not not a very healthy place. So this actually leads us right into the next talking point about the trend, which is the correlation of that girl to our good old friend, hashtag girl boss. Seriously, why is this not canceled yet? <laughs> right? Red flag. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you're aligning yourself with that bullshit, that makes sense why I keep seeing Girl Boss still yeah. on social media. And the people that are doing it also follow this trend. Uh, Which just like it just kind of shows a disregard for um I guess progressive movements in feminism and um, and like non-toxic culture, you know, if, if you're still doing it and then you're doing this, it's, it just, it shows that you're just, you're, you're not interested in moving away from this. What a bummer. So Laura Pitcher came out with an article at the end of July for ID magazine titled girl boss culture isn't dead. It's rebranded as that girl now. And Pitcher perfectly puts it. A nice alliteration for you. Uh, And I quote, look a little closer, though, and you'll see that that girl content has a lot in common with that of the very millennial faux empowerment girl boss canon, which places value on productivity alone and calls it feminism. Uh. Bizarrely, the that girl trend also comes after a recent cultural rebuttal of the girl boss archetype. And the memification of girl boss gaslight gatekeep. While Gen Z are said to have rejected overworking as a means of aspiration, the focus has instead become an obsession with schedules, with that girl dialogue turning us all into our own constant self improvement projects. Okay, so are these the girls who buy all those planners? You know how like uh, yeah. Bando yes. and all these other brands yes. sell all these planners? I'm always like, yes. who buys those? So that's who's buying them? Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Now I know at least. You know, yeah. I feel like, listen, we did our episodes about Girlboss a while ago. Like when do you think that was? It Was it in 2020? I feel like it was. It was, yeah. feels like 100 years ago. And listen, already <laughs> then we were like, Girlboss is dead it's such an antiquated idea. 
I feel like then you reach, we're almost in fall of 2021, and Girl Boss is all about it being okay for women to be billionaires and exploit other people and just generally be assholes who are obsessed with making money. It's okay if you're a woman. We're still thinking that way after mm-hmm. we've seen everything go down in our world in the last couple of years. Like, what is wrong with you? I'm like lecturing everyone now, but I just <laughs> like let it go. It's okay to schedule your life away and use a planner if that's what you like. But it's not okay. Just get rid of girl boss. It is really interesting that they are using girl boss. That is like such an antiquated word. And something that really like there's just so much um, education on how toxic it is. Yet they're still doing it. And I mean, I'm not seeing it commercially in a lot of places. Thank God. No more mugs. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But people still are supporting it. And they're like, Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> I know. Still. I know. Still. I still see it all the time. And like, are you living under a rock? I know. It, well, you know what? Hey, listen, I passed a house today uh, that was flying a Confederate flag. So people are going to do what they want to do, I guess. Yeah. But like, I think probably a Confederate flag is a lot more egregious than using hashtag girl boss, but they come. Yeah from the same place in a weird way. And I just, ah, uh, go away, girl boss. Just yeah. go away. So just like the world girl boss, that girl has that internalized sexism that comes with calling grown women girls. Yep. And continues the dialogue that girl boss was criticized for, which is 24 seven capitalist aspiration and limited empowerment naturally being fueled by the social isolation of the pandemic, there's been a shift of this kind of hustle girl boss culture um, as work and wellness collide together for the ultra optimized version and shifting from work ethic to workout ethic. I mean, also not just workout ethic, but like, you know, um, I guess it'd be like mindfulness ethic and, toxic positivity ethic (laughs) and creating this monster that is that girl. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As people fell into the need to develop a hyper controlled and rigorous schedule and workout routine in response to the insecurity of the time period, which I think also falls right back into that OCD situation. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's not just necessarily OCD about what you're eating, but OCD about, you know, your goal setting and your, your workouts and the, you know, your mindfulness and um, aspirational situations. <sighs> so picture notes and I quote this past year may have marked the death of the girl boss as we know it, but the emphasis on productivity and individualism to the point of self self absorption is far from over. Instead of hustling to be CEOs, we're hustling to be the most optimized version of ourselves under the guise of being that girl. But this hasn't addressed the core issue itself, issue, the hustle itself. See, now this makes me really angry because mm-hmm. I, I thought, based, I mean, obviously there's all kinds of, there's lots of news all over the internet, but yeah. I thought based on the numerous think pieces I'd read in the past few weeks that we were all, as a society, 
reconsidering our relationship with work. And we didn't want to work 40 hours anymore. We certainly didn't want to work 60 or 70. We wanted to get rid of hustle culture and we wanted to live our lives. Then you find out there are these other people who are still using girl boss, who still believe in hustle culture, who are still spending $12 on juice. And you're like, did you step out of a time machine? What is your deal? Are you here from 2010 with a message? (laughs) Hence the girl boss gaslight gatekeep. Uh, It's just like. It's so bizarre. Everyone's so burnt out and working so much more than they were pre-pandemic. Like, it's shocking to hear these articles. I have read them as well. But then I'm also reading the articles that are the exact opposite. People are more burnt out, exhausted than ever. And most people are like looking to change their job. They're sick of the job they worked in during the pandemic. Right, right. Yeah, I. this is such a strange uh, – I'm just so disappointed that this is back, that the people are <laughs> holding on to this. This is yeah. like the people – who still had mall bangs in like 1999. Yes. You know? Yeah. And like it was mildly acceptable because there was like, you know, it, 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 there wasn't social media getting tons of content and messaging around. Right. It, you know, it was kind of harder to get get the news. Now e- the news is just so easily to, uh, to obtain and like trends are easy to watch. And yeah, I don't know how it's lost. I don't know how it keeps getting lost. If you're spending all this time working on your planner and getting up and working out and making these salads with Mm -hmm. upwards of 20 ingredients, you don't have time to read the news. Remember, what was the goal to read? Two pages. Two pages a day? What is this book? I don't know. Does, does that even get you to one book a year? It's like, remember I mean, in Clueless when sh- when Cher does the um, makeover on on what's her name um, on Ty? Yeah, on Ty, and she's like, okay, um, you know, we like to you have to read a book, whatever, a month or whatever. She's like, mine is men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Two pages a day, okay? Yeah. Two oh pages gosh. a day. Yeah. Do you remember what Ty's – what was Ty's book? Oh, man. I'm trying to remember. I'm going to Google that because I, I – I need- remember her like weird kind of like Long Island Bronx kind of accent. <laughs> Ty is reading Fit or Fat. Yes. <laughs> this is – this this whole thing, It's it all stems from Clueless. <laughs> Which is like how many years old at this point? I know. Oh my goodness! It, that's basically it's basically that girl. <laughs> what a bummer! Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. I mean, it's just like the cycle that we're into. It, it makes it leads me more to believe that this is less of a trend and just you know an evergreen, and it's a kind mm-hmm. of person who gravitates toward this. I and mean, we've already talked about it, right? She's white. She's cisgendered. She's, I'm assuming, heterosexual. Let's be real here. Uh, She's thin. She's got some money for all that juice and all those Pilates classes and all of those Lululemon leggings. Mm -hmm. And she lives in a weird bubble where girl boss is still relevant and reading two pages a day is fine. And you have the bandwidth to make these epic salads. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And do goal setting and like – um, you know, it and journal every single day. Yeah. 
triple th- threat. You're a boss, a, you're I mean, a A, you're a B. But it's a hustle. Yeah. It's that you can literally burn out on it. And people have. People do burn out on it. And of course, how are you? You're not even fueling yourself. Like you can't even get all these things on your You're not even consuming enough calories to exist as a human. Yeah. I mean, I think about how hard it is when you're in a weird mode where you're eating like that, right? And you're being so controlling and so strict about what you're eating. That alone is so exhausting and will make you burn out. And then to, on top of that, be getting up at five to work out and doing all this journaling and planning and scheduling and mindfulness and thinking about the present, but also thinking about the future. And, you know, it's just... It sounds so exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. That's why it's unattainable. It's totally. It's a full-time job. Ugh. It's like those people that, you know, they're that they do those TV shows, the weight loss TV shows, and you know, they are quote unquote extremely overweight and they have to quit their job so that they can just work out 6 hours a day and lose the weight and eat healthy. And you know what? Because- it ends up messing them up. Absolutely. Yeah. Have we ever talked about this reality show called The Swan that was on? Oh my God. It was like one I of the early that. reality shows, like early 2000s, right? And for those of you who haven't seen this, I've I've only ever actually seen one episode, but I've read a lot about it because I find it to be such a strange phenomenon. And I think it was only on for one or two seasons because in general, the world was like, this is really excessive. And so they would pick these women who, always women, who felt terrible about themselves, right? They felt they were old. They felt they were fat. They felt that they were ugly. They often had partners who treated them like shit. Oh. Uh, and they would give these women so many plastic surgery surgeries, like tons of operations. Uh, they would put them on crazy diets where they'd have to like basically they'd all go live in this house for a few months recovering from plastic surgeries, getting their teeth done and being forced to work oh, out wow. and diet nonstop. And I recently read, and by recently, I mean like in the last six months, a sort of like, hey, whatever happened to the swan kind of article and the people in it. And all of them went on to have horrible lives after that. Uh, Most of them gained the weight back. A lot of them had serious mental health and anxiety issues. Uh, All of them felt incredibly paralyzingly depressed that they'd had this surgery and all this stuff, and then they still didn't feel better. And it just wasn't sustainable. Nothing about it was sustainable. And obviously that's like a really extreme version of all of this. You know, just like all of those like weight loss shows, also just a really extreme version. But unfortunately, it makes these extreme versions of things seem like they might be in reach. And that's what this whole that girl thing is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing with the swan is practically a scientific study in itself. Yeah. Like there could be serious you – know, there, there, there could be like journals written on this. Yeah. I mean – I still can't believe that was on TV. I know. It sounds like something that would be on Black Mirror. Yes. Yes, so you're right. The it other thing like was that all the women who had all the surgery and all this, I mean, like literally surgery, weight loss, you name it, they all had to compete in a beauty pageant oh as if it wasn't God. already crazy enough. I know. 
so bizarre <laughs> and so terrible and obviously really extreme in, from a pre-social media world. But like setting these unattainable goals, locking yourself into any sort of just so extreme way of life, no matter what it is, sets you up for a lot of issues down the road when you can't get there or when you stray off your path. When you eat more than just bananas, yes, you feel like such a failure. And the world keeps telling you what you should look like. Yeah. And that you're – if you don't look like the stereotypical that girl, you are a subspecies. Well, imagine trying to quit quit this subculture, this that girl subculture. You would have to delete all of your social media because you otherwise would be bombarded with it at every mm-hmm. moment. Because I'm sure all of these that girls are following one another, you know? Absolutely. <sighs> So as long as we're constantly striving to achieve unrealistic ideals and treating ourselves as projects, the capitalistic mentality remains and mental health, of course, will suffer. Um, And, you know, instead, research shows that we should be caring for ourselves without pressure and directing our energy into also caring for people around us. Mm Instead of just hyper, hyper, hyper focusing on ourselves and our own progress. Um, And luckily, this approach to wellness doesn't require you to get up at 5 a.m. on a strict schedule and take perfect photos of the food that you're eating. (laughs) You can wake up later, leave your bed unmade, enjoy drinks with your friends and still be, quote unquote, that girl. Um, And our good friend, Gia Tolentino, who we have referenced in the past, right? During the Girl Boss episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love her. Um, she, really great. She's such a great writer. Um, and she wrote this really amazing article. And um, she took the conversation a step further back in 2019 in a semi-autobiographical and social scientist critique on the, this like current hustle culture, which is like kind of the, I guess, post 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 girl boss hustle culture that continues to exist um and the ideal woman and like what that means in a piece for the guardian titled f leisure bar and kale the tyranny of the ideal woman i feel this one oh it's so good it's a really good article i highly recommend everyone read it it's so good with the sub headline how we became suckers for the hard labor of self-optimization So she argues that all the trends that have popularized themselves in the female post-girl boss hustle culture are a Frankenstein's monster to create this this ideal woman, you know, who's continually optimizing to sit inside the confines of this image uh, while also being as efficient as possible to even be able to afford the lifestyle that is deemed superior. Um, Right down to the bar class or even more specifically the fast casual salad restaurant chain sweet Uh, green i'm I'm glad we're finally addressing the elephant in the room because i was like when is sweet green going to come up because as we've been talking about this i've thought about people in my life mostly co-workers i've had who 100% at least aspire to be a little bit of that girl. And Sweet Green is always a piece of the puzzle. Always a piece of the puzzle. I mean, that's why it's blown up. I mean, if you don't live in an area with Sweet Green, it is, you know, 
like I said, it's a fast casual salad restaurant chain, but it's, you know, it purports to be you know, local and healthy and it's insanely fast. They have like optimized the, de- the delivery of salads in every iteration humanly possible. <laughs> um, and in one of the best paragraphs ever written, Gia says, and I quote, uh, sweet green, which feels l- uh, less like a place to eat and more like a refueling station. I'm a repulsively fast eater. And in most, in most situations, my boyfriend once told me that I chew like someone's about to take my food away. And at sweet green, I eat even faster uh, as can be true of many things in life. Slowing down for even a second can make the machinery give you the creeps. Sweet green is a marvel of optimization, a line of 40 people, a texting, shuffling, eyes down snake can be processed in 10 minutes as customer after customer orders a kale Caesar salad with chicken, <laughs> which is what I order, uh-huh. without even looking at the other dark skinned hairnet wearing line of people who are busy adding chicken to kale Caesars as if it was their purpose in life to do so and their customer's purpose in life to send emails for 16 hours a day with a brief break to snort down a bowl of nutrients that ward off the unhealthiness of urban professional living. (laughs) I mean, so, okay, first off, you just described my life when I was still working as a buyer, for sure. Yep, me too. Um, You know, the first time I went to a sweet green in person, like I'm just, sweet green is fine. It's just, it's not my fave, right? Like it's okay. If it feeds you and you feel okay about it. But yeah. uh, so I wouldn't ever like go out after Sweet Green, but sometimes maybe vendors would get it for us for lunch and it would be fine. It would be adequate lunch food. Yep. There was one time, it was the first time I'd ever actually gone to a Sweet Green to get my own salad. And the first thing that struck me as I walked in, and, you know, we're all corralled into like that snaking line, you know, so yes. as many people can be inside as possible. There's probably at least 50 people in line and at least 10 people working behind the counter, probably more. Yes. And they are like working so fast you can't see their hands. Everyone in line was white. Yep. Everybody working behind that counter was black or brown. And I just, I wanted to leave it felt so gross to me. Everything exactly. I'd always suspected about Sweet Greens was real. And like, once again, if that's your favorite restaurant, that's totally fine. I know people, I love people who that's their go-to and I that's fine. Uh, it's, you know, it's not bad. <laughs> I don't know. But there is this weird privilege to eating there. Yes, that, a $12 salad. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. Also, mm-hmm. Why is salad always a part of this? Because yeah. carbs. I carbs think- are carbs are evil. Salad, women eating salad to be thin is mm-hmm. so – it's just like a tale as old as time, it seems <laughs> like, you know. Maybe at one point they were putting it in jello, you know. Yeah, Maybe at one yeah. point it had iceberg and some cottage cheese. But it's always salad. Just, ah, have a sandwich. <laughs> Well, I do have to admit, I do love the kale Caesar. No, it's chicken. it's that's the best thing there. I that's the it's the only one I get. I have tried a bunch of other stuff there, and none of, none of the rest of it just tastes that good to me. It's like the no. dressings are weird. Their Caesar dressing is 
particularly good. You have to get the squeeze of whatever lemon or lime mm, to like mm-hmm. break it down. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I was when I lived in New York, I would take the subway down to stop sometimes to go and get sweet green because it at the time it was one of the only one that existed in New York mm-hmm. um, back in what 2014 or whatever. And I loved their their kale Caesar salad, but I remember it was always just like really stressful because you know you didn't have a long lunch break, and you go and you see the line is already outside. You're like, okay, we're going to do this. But you go through it so fast. And then you're like back on the train with your, your kale Caesar salad to sit at your desk and eat while working. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when I hear salad, I picture myself eating it while I'm working. Because even yes. here in my house when I'm working and eating a salad, I'm also working at my desk. I mean, can you eat a salad Without a computer in front of you? No, it takes so long to eat salads. Like, it's one of the reasons why I actually don't order salads is it's just, it is going to be a fucking whole thing. Like, like, you don't want to be with me when there's a salad. Oh, it's hours. You're going to be there forever. It's hours. (laughs) Yeah. I'm never going to stop eating this thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I just, I can't even imagine eating a salad and not working. They go hand in hand to me because- I start getting bored. Well, yeah. I like, I am so bored of eating this thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, but it, it has been a half hours, hour. so you don't want to waste it. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. <laughs> well, and at least the kale Caesar, because it's kale, and if you put dressing on it, um, it doesn't, you know, just break down into a mushy, gooey mess. Yeah, the kale, yeah, like, true. can hold. So if you don't finish it, you can, like, eat it later, <laughs> you know? I'm optimizing my salad consumption. Yeah, good good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you can put it in your I mean, planner. Because I wonder what the difference between, you know, um, sweet green versus all of the other fast casual salad chains and why this one became. I think it's the branding. I'm telling you. Because there and are. The, the local stuff. I think it was local branding. Yeah. I don't know. It's It just. There's something about the colors, the same theme, and the font, and the way they describe the mm-hmm. food that screams wellness. Yeah, yeah. I would be interested to break it down more about the the trend of sweet green. Yeah, I mean, I wonder really how's it doing in the pandemic. Oh my god, so well because they do they partnered with Uber to do free delivery for part <laughs> of it. Like, <laughs> okay, like smart. They have they have a whole like. Um, delivery system. I like I, I I follow their email. I'm on their newsletter, which oh is why my I know this. God, they. I mean, they have completely optimized the food, the, the salad food delivery. Um, it's it's insane. I think they even like set up these like pickup stations, and I feel like there was even these stations they set up inside, like before the pandemic, mm-hmm. inside offices where the the driver, the, the delivery people would just go drop off all the salads for the day. Wow. No, I have actually seen that at buildings in New York. Yeah. Yeah. The sweet green (laughs) drop off. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad we finally talked about them. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that we should talk more about because I think it's hilarious that it's just like, it is the elephant in the room and it's not something that anyone really talks about. Um, but it, so in this article also, Gia says, um, today's ideal woman is of a type that coexists easily with feminism in its current market friendly and mainstream form. 
this sort of feminism has organized itself around being as visible and appealing to as many people as possible. It has greatly overvalorized women's individual success. Feminism has not eradicated the tyranny of the ideal woman, but rather has entrenched it and made it trickier. These days, it is perhaps even more psychologically seamless than ever for an ordinary woman to spend her life walking towards the idealized mirage of her own self-image. She can believe, reasonably enough, and with the full encouragement of feminism, that she herself is the architect of the exquisite, constant, and often pleasurable type of power that this image holds over her time her money, her decisions, her selfhood, and her soul. Woof! I mean, (laughs) I was thinking the other day about Mm -hmm. how it might be time to retire the word feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the last 20 years have been really hard for feminism. Just, I mean, it's just destroyed it. Just commodified it. Buried Mm -hmm. it in all this weird salad-eating wellness bar class bullshit. It's, it's become so performative. It's become so focused on white women. It's become so blind to the rest of the world around it. And, and classist. So and classist. And it just, it just doesn't – it feels – the thing is the idea of feminism outdated. is as it important. It needs a new word. Yeah, it needs a new word. The, the, the mission behind feminism – is more valid than ever, right? That mm-hmm. hasn't gone away. More the, needed than ever. Well, I mean, not more than needed. It's always been needed, but needed in a different way. Yeah, the ideals of feminism still matter. And we haven't, it's not like, well, mission accomplished, move on. No, what has happened is the word feminism has been commodified so much, it has lost all meaning. Yes. It's like that Hershey's chocolate that has had less and less chocolate in it, and now it's just made of, like, wax or something, and it's gross. That is what has happened to feminism, you know? Feminism- We need a new artisanal version of feminism. Yes, exactly, (laughs) with, like, honest ingredients. It's like feminism- Is pure. It's pure feminism. Feminism is a T-shirt and someone's record <laughs> and eating at sweet green and getting a planner from Bandeau and you know with like hearts and stuff. Hooking up with people you met on Tinder and quote not caring about them and like just on and on and on. I feel like I mean I'm sure there are people who are like no it started way before this. I feel like the first inkling that feminism was turning into trash was sex in the city that's where it began and it's just been worse and worse with each year since then girl boss definitely did some bad stuff to it all of those feminist tees i mean they just yeah feminist tees feminist tees ruined it feminist tees like oh yeah we need a new word we still need to fight we still need to fight you know to change the world and make womanism I don't know, but no. then see, that sounds transphobic. That sounds terrible. It's an, an exactly. non-binary people. I don't know what the word is. See, but that also points out how feminism is like a flawed word. It, it is. doesn't fit into our world anymore. It doesn't. You're totally right. I don't know. It's uh, not your problem to solve. Amanda. It's not my problem to solve. But if any of you, you know. Oh, you guys can have a word. Send it in. Send it in. Yeah, we need to know. What's the new word? We can, yeah, we can make a platform for it. Yeah, let's start it.
cancel feminism, <laughs> start over. Mm-hmm. So that actually lends right into the final topic um, that we're going to talk about. We, we can't dig into a long-standing t- trend without notice- noting, which we actually have multiple times on this actual series, the classism inherent. And this trend really just does not disappoint. <laughs> it's gold standard for classism in it. Um, you know, just going to say it, obviously, that girl is a classic classist construct and achieving that girl status comes with a hefty price tag. Green juice, boutique workout classes, Lululemons, avocado toast, it all comes with a privilege of time and money that is not available to a lot of people. No. No. (laughs) And the monetization of the ideology and concept makes it notoriously exclusionary as if the human right to wellness is inaccessible to anyone who isn't making six figures. And honestly, you can find that it is. We even saw during our episode on the green gap, you know, markups were substantial, even with green products or organic foods seeing an average of 75% to 85% higher prices than conventional options. Uh, Food deserts are notorious in the U.S. and and an international issue that make it difficult for people in low-income areas to even have access to affordable, healthy food. So, like, (laughs) you can't even achieve any portion of, like, being that girl or or even trying to achieve wellness through healthy eating because it's it's not even accessible. Right. Well, right. And it's not like anyone is wearing leggings from Walmart, when they're being that girl. It's not yeah, like – like can't. I hate – I hate so much. I think the thing that really – I mean, well, there are many things about this that upset me. But one of these things that has classically upset me is this paradigm in which clean, good food is expensive. Yes. Bad, I guess, dirty food is cheap. Yes. You know, and it just reinforces that classism – Yes. Uh, it, and it also says, like, this is better than that over exactly. and over again. This organic kale is better than this conventional lettuce or organic chicken, hormone-free, you know, that's $12 a breast is better than this 50-cent breast that's – I mean, this I do, this clean eating thing, it, it's not even just a part – of this this trend, like I follow a bunch of subreddits for low carb diets because I have to eat that for my stomach, including a lot yeah. of keto subreddits. And there are people on there who are obsessed with this idea of clean eating, eating zero carbs and doing it really cleanly. And they're really judgy to other people. They make no room if you. For messing up, you cannot have a piece of birthday cake. You cannot get a soda when you're on a road trip. There is no room for that. And they'll be really shamey with people. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if you want to do this right, then you need to give up other things in your life. Like maybe you can cancel your Netflix so that you can buy cleaner food. And it's it's just – it's gross. Wow. It's just others people. It does. Well, I mean, also being on one of these clean diets means that you do not really eat out unless you're going to only expensive clean clean Or sweet places. green. Sweet green. So you have to cook everything at home, which is a ridiculous amount of time. 
And you know what? I mean, I remember when juicing was really popular mm-hmm. and I would have friends that would juice and they'd be like, it is so expensive to juice at home. Oh my God. It's like a whole <laughs> bag of carrots gets you like yeah. eight ounces of juice. Yeah. It's gross. I mean, in this, yeah, <laughs> exactly. One more reason like, to hate it. Yeah. I mean, making all those salads, like, do you know how expensive, like if you went to like um, Erewhon to get your organic ingredients <laughs> do you know how expensive that one salad would oh be? i don't even want to think about it i don't even want to think about it it's appalling to me i'm yes. just like way too practical about those kinds of things but yeah i mean like this there is so much money tied up in this because wealth is such an aspiration for everyone and that facade of wealth is so important for fitting in for feeling mm-hmm. good about yourself. And once again, this is another just like antiquated notion. Like, I can't believe we're still doing this. <laughs> like, come on. Move <laughs> on. Right? Right. Aren't people woke? Like, aren't they recognizing this? That's what I'm saying. I think I said this in the last episode. Like, if you went up to someone who was participating in this that girl situation and you said – are you aware that it's really classist? Are you aware that it's really white? Are you aware that there's a lot of disordered eating here? Would they have bullet points to respond to you? You know, yeah. would they be like, well, actually, I mean, that's, I just, I think for me, it's just really hard for me to understand this because we've seen so much. I thought we'd already all learned so much together. We saw how Girl Boss was a failure. We saw how much classism and racism was baked into everything we've done. We've seen how much disordered eating destroys us. And yet here we are. We're still doing it. Back at it. Back at it. It makes me so sad. It's the exact same thing. It's just a regurgitation of some other crap. And I just am like, how can you continue to subscribe to this lifestyle and knowing everything else that's around you. I mean, you must just not know what's going on because you're only I, reading I think that you don't. two I think pages like a, narcissistic a day. Element. I guess so, yeah. And you're only reading two pages a day yeah. of men are from Mars and women are from Venus. That's all you know. <laughs> really outdated dating, right? <laughs> dating book. <laughs> and, you know, so of course – the wellness industry, and I, you kind of did imply this, is consistently like spreading the lie that wellness is expensive, you know, because that's how they make their money. Right. When in fact, it can actually be achieved without the rejuvenating 24 karat gold spa mask or snail goo facial or that spin class or $20 smoothie from creation or the cryotherapy treatment at your luxury gym, you know? <laughs> I mean, we actually need a whole podcast on these hilarious I, wellness trends. I know. As you were talking, we've been talking about, about it, it forever. Yeah, I think we need to. <laughs> as soon as you started talking, I thought about that mask again. I know that we saw with Kota Kylo that like yes. plugged in. Yes. It was like a Bluetooth or something, and it glowed yes. and it made you look like a monster. And it's how much was it? Like five hundred dollars? Yes. No one needs that. I- <laughs> God. <laughs> I know it. It's pretty over the top, and the, and a lot of these things are so over the top. But you obviously <laughs> you you can achieve a great level of wellness. I mean, you know, obviously there's studies that are just like if you get outside 
and go for a walk daily, like your your heart heart disease drops by you know ridiculous. Like, and then what is wellness? What what exactly is it? What there's no def- definition of it. So even achieving wellness doesn't really it means different things to different well, people. Well, and it's just so ableist because it subscribes yes. to this one path to being well, ostensibly, and it involves certain kinds of physical activities, certain yes. kind of body types, certain kinds of food, weird plug-in masks. No, that's not part of it. <laughs> Might be. But it's just like it's it's so elitist and it's just not a good look. I mean, it is whatever – what's the opposite of woke? It is like asleep. It's deeply asleep. It's deeply, like deeply. I just still can't believe we're doing this except I can – because yeah. I see this on some of the biggest influencers on Instagram. Like, I don't really follow a lot of that stuff. I don't follow any of it because it's so unappealing to me. But every once in a while, some of that will cross my path as I'm reading about something else. And I'm like, oh, my God. There's this whole other world of people who literally I have nothing in common with who live in this totally different world from me. And uh, they are all – getting weird cryotherapy treatments at their gym and drinking juice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I um, I was following Kate uh, – what's her name? Kate Hudson mm-hmm. has this, like, wellness nutritional powder brand called In Bloom. Oh, I've seen this one. I've gotten ads for it. And it's just, like, a lot of her – walking around in a bikini drinking these juices and like you go it, this is basically that girl this is i mean listen and then you go on it and it's just like they have, have they have like no diversity on it oh uh, i mean and it's just her what is this oh, oh oprah's on it well of course okay, oprah's thanks, on oprah. it yeah and it's just a bunch of like her and then white girls oh i see one one black girl on here but it's like really buried it's probably for in february they probably posted it then oh april because they, they posted because they probably missed their um uh black history month post <laughs> and got backlash or something <laughs> sorry um yeah i mean i it, every time i think about that girl i think about this this is that girl and then anyone that follows this is that girl and probably all has eating disorders. Uh, oh. I know. I know. I mean, listen, I'm I'm drinking the vital proteins. You know? Oh, I'm, believe me. I'm list- I'm drinking some powdered. Yeah, I'm going to go have some yeah. sort of powdered something when we're done here. Definitely. But, you know, and I'm I do, you know, I do a lot of like natural remedies and things like that, but I just <sighs> This is just- it's a conscientious way of doing it and a non-conscientious right, way right. of doing it. And, you know, like, I've thought about giving up the proteins because they come in a plastic container. Like, I don't know. Yes. And and I'm all stressed out about that. And then this is all going on over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, additionally, uh, rich foods, fast foods and junk food has no- have notoriously aligned with the working class for years. Um, as well as, you know, uh, like middle America, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, which is, well, you know, faster and cheaper and easier, especially in food deserts. 
um, or even traditional to cultures and regions, yet the wellness industry is assuming that a diet loaded with carbs or fat or sugar is a failure of self-control. You know, and in fact, the very culture and obsession with the wellness trend was birthed following the Industrial Revolution as an element of quote-unquote luxury popularized by the middle class and upper class of Europeans. So writer and historian Daniela Blay wrote in JSTOR Daily uh, that Germans termed it, and I quote, life reform. And the wellness trend was developed to offset the sedentary lifestyle of the rich. So instead of just getting more active, they became more obsessed with weight and body insecurities. And it paved the way for self-help books and easy fixes. And then to, of course, encourage the whole market of modern wellness culture behind it. Isn't that fascinating? Like that's where it comes from. It's always just been inherent in you know, uh, upper class yeah. sensibilities of being thin, but not being exceptionally active and diet as part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting. I had it. I mean, I guess I knew that it was so linked to wealth, but to see that that's really where it began. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to me. I mean, because wellness, like seriously, what does wellness even mean at this point? Just like feminism, wellness has been like twisted around into so many different things. I, What does it even mean to feel it's well? so vague. Right, yeah. And really what wellness is, is an aspirational product now mm-hmm. that – if you practice enough mindfulness and get enough exercise and eat enough salads with enough ingredients, you too will feel well someday. Right. You know, or you'll be able to escape some sort of disease yeah. that may come along, but, you know, everybody dies of something. Yeah. You can't escape it you know maybe it's like oh light extension of your life or you know what what is the goal of wellness i just see that's the thing is right now it's i don't it's think it's skinny yeah that's what i was gonna say i don't think for a long time wellness has been around about extending your life i mean like for at least a hundred years it's always being about it's always been about looking thin and looking young. You can't forget that. Yes. Right? Looking young. Yes. And that's when I see things that are being sold under a wellness lens, a lot of that goop stuff, it's always either about beauty or body. It's mm-hmm. never about f- just feeling good. It's not about Internal feeling health. well. I guess the conceit yeah. is that once you are young and thin, you will feel well. You know, right? I it's uh, that's just not true. Optimal peak performance to do what to work? Yeah, I don't. Well, that's the extra sad part about this. Is yeah, that the previous uh, eating disorder wellness trends didn't mention work. This one's yeah. like we're gonna really bum you out. This is the most <laughs> capitalist form of wellness that you could ever have. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Do you want to? You want to read any of those po- positive, toxic positivity um, <laughs> phrases that you found? Um, hold on. Let me put it. Yeah. So toxic positivity is one of those things that is 
it's so a part of it. Like, I just think, like, when you uh, – Ooh, I found one. Be different, babe. Oh. <laughs> it's the babe crap. Yeah. I saw a lot of babe when I was looking at this, too. And I was like, really? We're still doing that, too? Babe? Uh, yeah. I don't like that. I worked with someone who would call everyone babe, and it it just felt – ugh. Push yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. I guess that's more girl oh, boss, but still, I hate it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Just push, push. There's that your energy is sacred again. <laughs> oh, your energy is sacred. God, that sounds so crystally. Dressing like power, acting like confidence, feeling like a whole damn vibe. That's just word salad. <laughs> Don't get to the end of your life wishing you had done all the things you were scared to do. Oh, I mean, these are like great ideas, I guess, but it's just, you know, it, it just is uh, the toxic positivity of it all. I think that that's really interesting to call out because I feel like the people I've known in my life who are the most a part of this kind of aesthetic were always the ones who, like, you could be like, my whole life has fallen apart, blah, this, that. And they would be like, you're going to look back at today as the best day of your life because it all mm -hmm. started over. And you're like, what? No, go yeah. away. Let me sit in my misery, you know? Um, Like, I remember when I lost my job, there were a couple people who were like, this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I'm like, I don't feel that way right now. You know, like, let's not have yes. that conversation right now. Yeah, I I see how this is a part of it. And you can definitely talk about toxic positivity as being kind of denying people their feelings. Yes. Which is, I would just assume, if we were talking about true wellness and not just the, like, I'm thin and young wellness and rich, I guess that's a part of it too, uh, to feel well, to be truly engaged in wellness, you have to live with your feelings and cope with them and accept defeats, accept hard times. You can't deny them if you want to be truly well. But once again, this version of wellness that we're being sold is not well. <laughs> yeah. It's not well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a trend. So glad this is still going on. Are we going to be yeah. like in five years, there's going to be a new version of this? Oh, yeah. Who knows what it'll be called, but it'll be all the same. You know what's interesting? Um, I, you know, I looked up that girl, hashtag that girl on Instagram, and I saw a lot of pumpkin spice. I mean. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's just like overlapping trends. It this is. thing is just a Frankenstein. It is. It's like everything that has come before. It's like a mega trend. It's got mm -hmm. it all. It's got pumpkin spice. It probably has scarves. <laughs> it's, it's got live, laugh, love. It's definitely. Listen, I saw for the first time a live, laugh, love wall art. I don't know what to call it oh. at the thrift store. And I was like, here we go. It's on. Burn it. Yeah. We, Burn just, it. we didn't get it. But uh, I thought about buying it as a prank. And then I was like, no, which is not something I want in my life. But... <laughs> Live, laugh, love is wellness. I mean, like all of this, it's just so interesting. And like once again, I hate 
that there's always such a critical lens on the things that women like. You know, we don't make fun of things that men like in the same way. Even though there are plenty of men out there who are eating clean and lifting. Except for CrossFit. That's oh, yeah. a really easy yeah, one to make Yeah, that's your right. Of. Right. Yeah. That's and that's a little adjacent to this. I don't know if these people would hang out, but they know of each other. And uh, they might have a few bad Tinder dates or whatever. But <laughs> but like we don't in the same way. Like I was thinking the other day, Karen has become shorthand for a certain type of white woman, right? We mm-hmm. all know that. And I see people on every form of social media accusing one another of Karenness all the time. But rarely do people call someone a Chad. And it's because they don't know that there's a dude archetype and it has a name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like, here we are again, picking apart what women like, like when they were into Visco and when they were basic and their pumpkin spices and their white Christian girl fall. Like, I think really – That's not my problem with that girl as a trend. It's all the toxicity that's under the covers. Liking pumpkin spice lattes is not a toxic act, right? No, none at all. Right. Liking a scarf or a floppy hat or some high boots with your skinny jeans, not a toxic (laughs) act. Live laughing and loving, go for it, you know? Uh, But, you know – There are all these other behaviors under the covers here that are really alarming to me and that I had hoped we were moving away from. Yeah. I I just, yeah, I think you're right. I feel like it's just a part of culture that just cannot be killed. I know. I'm like, is it a type of person who's always going to gravitate towards this? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it likely is. I mean, until that there's, until there's more like body positivity and, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't see it changing. I mean, it's, we've, we've had this exist since, what, the Industrial Revolution, post-Industrial Revolution, that skinny meant that you're better and more well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, I don't we're see still it changing. There. We're still there. I see that kind of stuff on Reddit all the time on threads about coronavirus, where yeah. people are like, well, if you die of it, it's because you're fat. I'm like, oh, my oh. God, get out of here. Wow, you know, <laughs> have you li- have you listened to the maintenance phase this week's one on the BMI? Yes, oh, really good, so enlightening. Everyone, go listen to it. Um, also, I didn't know you could just tell your doctor not to weigh you. I know. I'm gonna do that. Let's normalize your doctor. They don't need to know shit about how much you weigh. Actually, you know, I, so I started with this new uh, female care situation called. Tia here in LA. I guess there's some in New York or there's mm. one in oh, New yeah. York too. Oh yeah, I know of this one. Okay. Which is, um, it's like a holistic practice um, and my my health insurance is covered by it. So that's nice. Um, and they have like gynecology and um, and primary care all in one with acupuncture and mental health and things like that. That's cool. And they didn't ask, usually, you know, you have to fill out all those forms and they usually have to put your weight in there. And they didn't ask me for my weight once. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. And then when I went in for my actual, like, um, my, you know, gynecology appointment, and um, they didn't weigh me. That's great. And I was like, and, and I talked at the, um, the, the nurse that was there was like, you know, do you want to give your weight? You don't have to. 
And I was like, that's really interesting. I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like you didn't, you weren't weighing me. You weren't asking me about my weight, which is triggering. I do not like, I don't like being on that goddamn scale. Anyway, so I did bring up with this nurse and she's like, oh, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of, um, the BMI is very um, unreliable and we don't don't believe in it. We don't believe in in, um, health and wellness being a determining factor with your weight. And I was like, holy shit. This is the first that's ever happened. And I was like, that right there, I'm sold. Yeah, me too. I think that's amazing. So progressive <sighs> as it should yeah, be. Yeah, that's a little – there's a little commercial for Tia in there. So if you guys are looking for a women's health group in New York or LA, I highly recommend them. Wow, cool. Um, we yeah, anyway. Here. Anyway. Well, is that all we have? That's all we have. Well, thank you, everyone. What Thank a delight. You. Absolutely. And it's okay if you that eat it girl. sweet green. <laughs> yes. I will continue to eat it sweet green. It's totally fine. We just don't have one out here, so I'm just being mean. No, that's not <laughs> I have a little I you know, I I honestly I just think sometimes I don't like sweet green because I know people that I don't like who love it. <laughs> I think I'm just being uh, a hipster. <laughs> you're just being hipster. A grouchy hipster, yeah. Yes, you are. But the kale Caesar salad is the best but, one. I make that actually really at home is. all the time. It is a really good one. It is really good. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.